It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Soccer Talk Podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online, and apps. In episode 117, we discuss how Apple's TV app announcement will impact soccer viewing, what the future looks like for Univision channels on Dish and Sling TV, DAZN makes some major changes this week, MLS TV ratings nosedive once again, plus letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, uh, to start off real quickly, um, I'm not sure if you had a chance to look at the uh, ICC schedule and the teams that have been announced this week um, for the United States. Um, what are your initial thoughts if you had a chance to look at that? Uh, I did. I just didn't really care, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. So uh, it's... You know, we've been through this for several years where teams just come, they come to the U.S. Uh, I think it's neat, the markets they're, they're coming to. Um, uh, and I think it's kind of kind of neat that there's going to be a, a match in, in Cardiff. Um, that's not the U.S., obviously. But I think that's kind of neat. And, and uh, they'll have a match at Spurs' new stadium, which everybody is all excited about uh, in terms of just the general stadium uh, and and. and that being kind of a showcase uh, venue for the United Kingdom. But uh, I, I'm, these games are just kind of used to um, uh, used to these friendlies now in the U.S. In, in the summer. There's nothing I'm terribly excited about. Although when the time comes, it'll probably be neat because we will see some guys who, are, who, who have changed clubs uh, and, and the transfer window will be open. And, and that always fuels some of the interest in these friendlies. But uh, a couple months out, out, it's tough to tell because we don't know who's going to be where. Yeah, real quickly, with, with the ICC, in the past, I, I, I've definitely – I've enjoyed it. To me, it's a chance for soccer fans to go see their team in person. And and for a lot of soccer fans, it's their only opportunity. If you're a supporter of Manchester City or whoever it may be, this is an opportunity to see your your club in person uh, and cheer on with with your fellow fans and and watch a game, even even if it is effectively kind of a glorified friendly. I mean, it is a competition, but but you know what I mean. But the, the thing that's disappointed to me this year is uh, the announcements of the teams that are playing. So, for example, uh, these teams are playing in the Asian uh, International Champions Cup and will not be playing in the U.S. Uh, uh, ICC. And that is 
Manchester United, Barcelona, Spurs, Manchester City, and Juventus. So those teams alone, if that was coming to the States, there would be a huge amount of uh, really excitement for that. Instead, who we get are AC Milan, who have been to the States so many times before. Arsenal, which is great to see them. It's been, I think, about uh, three years since they've been in the United States. AS Roma, who have been to the United States so many times. Atleti, which will be a nice introduction. Uh, it's, been, it's been a while since we've seen them. Bayern Munich, who were here last year and were disappointing, to be honest, in terms of um, the attendances that they brought in. Uh, Benfica, uh, Chivas, and Chivas play in their first ICC, and Real Madrid. And, of course, Real Madrid is always a big, uh, a big win um, in the box office there. So altogether, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed, too, because there's no game at the big house in Ann Arbor, Michigan, with 100,000 plus. Uh, there's no game in Miami. There's no game in Philadelphia. Uh, there's no game in uh, Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis. So altogether, it seems to be, I don't know, a different type of ICC and um, not that excited by it, to be honest with you. But, but Chivas is arguably the most popular team in the United States, so getting them is, is quite a coup for relevant sports, and getting them to yeah. be part of it. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. And that, that will bring a, t- a ton of fans into the stadiums to watch those, uh, those games for sure, and, and it'll spice things up a bit. I wrote a piece about it on uh, worldsoccertalk.com about the International Champions Cup and, and um, kind of shared my disappointment and said, like, wouldn't it have been great if we had some, some different teams, some, a bit of variety this summer, maybe, maybe, maybe River Plate or maybe Boca Juniors or, or Flamengo or Corinthians uh, or maybe another Premier League club or, or, or something. It just seems to be, especially with Charlie and relevant sports, it, a, lot of it, a lot of it oftentimes is a lot of Italian uh, teams. And as we know, I mean, we, we like to watch Serie A, but the interest in Serie A, uh, I think globally, has, has decreased. And um, Charlie, with his ties to a lot of the Italian clubs and knowing them very well, there's quite a few Italian clubs playing, uh, both in the Asian Cup and, and um, the Asian version and the American version. But let's, let's uh, skip past ICC for now. And uh, Kartik, uh, what have you been watching this past week? I didn't get to watch a whole lot. It, it was an international break. I was traveling, but I uh, watched the Belgium-Russia game. That was uh, an entertaining match, actually. Uh, uh, and then uh, USA-Ecuador, which was um, not an entertaining match because Ecuador didn't want to play uh, play football at all. I've got to make an appearance on a radio show on ESPN radio in Tallahassee. And I have to tell you the soccer culture, and this is why I've seen, we're seeing so much success with USL clubs and, and other independent clubs in the Southeast United States, college sports fans seem to get the culture around uh, football, around soccer better than casual American sports fans. So once they're introduced to it and they get into it, they're into it. I mean, 10 years ago when I would go to Tallahassee, I, I, you know, you, you, people didn't even know what the sport was. Um, now, obviously, Florida State's women's team have won two national championships. They've been to six uh, College Cup Final Fours. So they, um, they, 
they, they've developed an interest in the sport there, at least on the, on the women's side. Uh, but it's pretty remarkable. They have a radio show uh, based in Tallahassee that's on their local ESPN radio affiliate. Uh, I see people with soccer jerseys all over town. They have a club launching in May um, in, in, the, in the Gulf Coast Premier League that is going to be uh, really well supported. It's really well organized and it's sustainable based almost entirely on local memberships and, and sponsorships. Uh, people becoming members of the club, uh, getting uh, their voting rights and all of that based on being a member, the membership model, the classic membership model like you have in, in, in Germany and in Barcelona and, and, and some other places, and then um, just local sponsors. So that was really revealing, and I spent um, you know, a better part of, of a day, day and a half around around the club and, and uh, uh, enjoyed that. Uh, saw the uh, the England-Czech Republic game. That, was, that speaks for itself. Um, among MLS, just saw Red Bull and uh, Orlando City. And uh, for me, the game of the week was uh, the the Dutch German game. I don't like how that match ended. I was uh, I, I think I, I fired off some some angry tweets about you know, how it ended. But credit to Germany. I mean, Juggy Low uh, changes the side almost completely. No, the the thing they have still going for them is that they've got Nabry and Sane who can run at anyone in the world who are fantastic. Uh, in control of the ball on the counterattack. So you can open anyone up that way. It's not a traditional German team that's going to control possession the way we saw at the World Cup. I think they had 70% possession and we're out in the group stage. Um, it's not going to be a traditional team that way. They, they're playing much more on the break using their their, their assets in wide areas and, and athleticism. But um, the Dutch, you know, Babel missed a couple good chances in the first half, second half. Uh, even when they got it back to 2-2, they had several chances to, to take the lead, and, and, and they didn't take it, which makes you worry. Uh, we're into another really good generation of Dutch players after a, a little bit of a lull. Is this going to be just like every ge- other generation of Dutch players where there's there's enough naivety in, in, in the final third um, that they just don't win those big competitions? They get, they right. get close, but they don't win it. And uh, that concern creeped back up in my mind uh, watching the, the stop and shine of that match. Yeah, I would say with the Dutch, though, too, I mean, fair credit to them, because in the first half, they were completely outplayed. By halftime, I think it was 2-0, they were down, and um, they bounced back. I mean, it it was uh, a good comeback, and of course, Germany at the end, uh, getting a late goal to win it 3-2. This game felt to me like a early round of a World Cup game, almost kind of an opening round, or uh, maybe even a, a second round of the World Cup. It was that good. Uh, ESPN Plus had the broadcast um, on English language. Uh, the quality of the broadcast, the HD quality was great, great atmosphere. Uh, I loved it, and that was my match of the week from this past week. Going back to the USA-Ecuador game, Kartik, uh, you mentioned early on, uh, yes, Ecuador were poor. Um, the U.S. did pretty well. But the, the, thing, the thing that stood out for me in this one was um, Ian Dark. Ian Dark and Taylor Twelman teaming together. Of course, many, many times we're so used to them working together. It's interesting that Ian Dark retains his role as the lead USA commentator uh, on ESPN. Um, so I, uh, we weren't sure whether John Champion would be doing some of the uh, USA home games, or USA games, but it looks like uh, John's going to be focusing on Major League Soccer while Ian Dark is continuing to focus on the U.S. men's national team and, and oftentimes the U.S. women's national team when those games are on ESPN or ESPN2. <laughs> Yeah, that that actually kind of struck me. I, I didn't. I guess we should have assumed it. And um, 
I watch ESPN FC, and by the way, this week ESPN, the, the best weeks for ESPN FC, believe it or not, are the international weeks because they have all the rights to the UEFA matches, so you see all the highlights, and they're able to kind of di- uh, dig a little deeper with, with bigger topics. They have a chance to, to catch their breath. Uh, Ian Dark has regularly been coming on that show uh, from London, right? They, they, they'll have uh, at the studio in London. Yeah. So I should have realized that he was still going to be calling U.S. games, but I, I just made the assumption in my mind for whatever reason that with John Champion moving over here, he was going to be the lead voice for all of these things. So, yeah, that that was something I should have mentioned. That did kind of hit me on, on Thursday night, and obviously they, they had a game Tuesday as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Tuesday's game, um, again – a pretty well, a pretty good game there for for the United States, but again, what struck me in this one was that uh, halftime. I'm not sure if you caught this, Kartik, but Taylor Twellman had a sit down with Greg Berhalter, and it, almost for about five or ten minutes, and they had um, showing coaching tapes. So they were they were talking it, talking it through together at the same time. So Greg Berhalter was kind of showing how they were setting up for a corner kick or. Uh, you mean or, or opposition corner kick and uh, where the players were positioned, uh, which you mean some of the guys were out of position and where they should be. Uh, Twelman adding in some of his tactical analysis, and he definitely knows his stuff. Uh, and, I, and I thought that was interesting because it, it brought the viewer into a conversation, uh, into a coaching tapes that you would never see anywhere else, really, unless you got a behind-the-scenes, fly-on-the-wall documentary. But that's usually after the fact. I mean, you mean several months after the fact, if, if you're lucky. That, I thought, was interesting. Um, and again, yeah. yeah, Ian Dark and, and Twelman on on the call, but but I thought that was really good. And I'd like to see more of that if uh, Berhalter and, and other coaches are willing to do that. Yeah, but that's again, this is an ESPN broadcast and that's ESPN's cup of tea and not Fox's. So the question is, Burhalter seems more willing to discuss tactics and more able to discuss tactics than some former U.S. coaches. Uh, I think Bob Bradley could discuss tactics all day. He's great. But uh, Klinsman, I don't think, got tactics at all. And Arena... Uh, would just brush off. I mean, I asked, I've asked him questions in press conferences and he would just, you know, kind of snap at you. So uh, those two managers, at least the last two, and then Dave Sarakin wasn't really permanently in the job. They're, none of them were real tactical maestros. So this is smart by the Federation to kind of use Greg Berhalter in this role because he does, he does know what he's talking about. He's a guy that, that had a long, he was a journeyman player, but a long career uh, almost entirely in Europe. He came to him, back to MLS this last year or two. Uh, so it's an asset, but the question is, will this, Chris, again, highlight the differences in coverage of the U.S. game between ESPN and Fox? Because Fox has had a couple of games with Burhalter prior to this. Uh, and now, granted, it was his first two matches, but there was no sit down like this. The sit down uh, that they've had have been kind of fluffy. Right. Uh, yeah. Then. T- Twelman does this very detailed analytical sit down with him. The contrast is there again for everyone to see. I, I don't. I know, Chris. We get criticized. This is a Fox bashing show. It's not. But this is just another example to me of something you see on ESPN that you won't see on Fox. And now you have a U.S. manager who's willing to talk about these things. Maybe uh, it'll help improve Fox's coverage if they take uh, a page out of ESPN's book. Yeah, you would think so, but I, I, I don't see that coming. I mean, Fox has their style, uh, ESPN has a different style, and ESPN is more likely to mix things up a little bit. This, to me, was almost a, a huge trust factor 
it, it's 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 Berhalter kind of uh, showing him the Berhalter tapes, showing Tom the, the tapes, and saying, "Hey, I trust you that you, we can sit down together and analyze this. And you're not going to say something stupid. You're not going to ask me something that's going to make make me look bad." Or, but 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 to me, as uh, as a neutral watching this, I'm I'm impressed. I'm impressed by. Berhalter's you know, not just this game, but the other games that uh, he's coached. Uh, the positional sense of, of of the players on the team on the pitch, uh, the shape, uh, the willingness to fight for the ball, uh, the pressing. So these are things from a coaching perspective. I'm seeing improvements on, and, and I'm seeing the building blocks coming together. And I, I'm very positive about that, and actually very, uh, very surprised, pleasantly surprised about about that. My my concern is more so about the actual players at his disposal, the ones that are available to him, and whether the quality level is good enough to, um, I mean, to qualify for a World Cup or to go far in a World Cup. That that's that's something that he can't control. But as a coach, yeah. uh, I've been very very impressed. I'll just throw this out there, which is going to get everybody angry, but Michael Bradley still looks like he's the best U.S. player, just in terms of how he can control the tempo of a match. Um, I've been high on Will Trapp. He didn't show me much in these two matches. Uh, although, I mean, I guess the Ecuador game, he didn't, he didn't, he was okay. He was pretty good, but that was because they didn't mark him closely. That's going to be the question about Burhalter, but I'm, I'm encouraged, Chris, because I see a style. I see a real emphasis on passing and moving, which I don't think uh, the previous U.S. coaches have had. As much as I love Bob Bradley, one of my favorite coaches anywhere, everywhere, uh, I think he, he, his style was kind of different, um, although I think there was a real plan there, and that's why the U.S., uh, in terms of sustained success, was more successful under Bradley than any other manager. Uh, Arena, obviously, had the quarterfinal run in the World Cup, but struggled in qualifying that time, struggled after that World Cup. Uh, to me, Bradley's uh, four years in the job is, are still the standard uh, that you want to get back to. Before you can talk about bigger things, about competing to win World Cups and everything, you've got to just get back to where Bob Bradley had us uh, before he was uh, ridiculously sacked by Sunil Kaladi. Don't need to relitigate that. But. <laughs> uh, in, in some of the other matches, so I watched uh, Mexico against uh, Chile. Uh, I think this one was on Univision Deportes. Um, what was interesting to me in this one is I didn't realize until afterwards, I was thinking to myself, yeah, this game wasn't on English language television. It wasn't on Fox. So I looked it up and, and uh, Fox's contract with um, the FMF, the, the Mexican Football Federation for the national team, ended um, right before the World Cup last year. And it looks like they didn't renew that deal. So uh, Mexican team, national team games will continue to be on uh, Spanish language television and not on English language television unless somebody picks those up. So kind of interesting there. Uh, the other thing, too, that, that stood out for me this past week, and I, and I watched a bunch of games. I watched, uh, uh, like you, many of those games, but also Sweden, Romania, uh, Malta, against, Malta against the Faroe Islands, Wales, Slovakia, Montenegro, England, Italy, uh, Liechtenstein, Morocco against Argentina, uh, and so on and so forth. But the game that, that uh, I was impressed by was LAFC against Real Salt Lake. And I was impressed by it because of, again, for the, I think for the second week in a row, the atmosphere at the, um, the, the stadium in downtown Los Angeles, uh, but also, I mean, in terms of the crowd being boisterous and just really creating a great atmosphere and the players feeding off that, playing some good, exciting football. And uh, for me, this was interesting to watch too because it was a uh, YouTube TV broadcast um, and I live in Florida, so I was able to get it through ESPN Plus and Max Bredos uh, doing the commentary and with a couple of uh, analysts to his side. 
and I thought they, they did a great job, and, and the camera work was good. Um, it was really, it, it was an exciting game to watch. So, uh, hats off to them. Biggest result of the week, Chris, was probably Wales beating Slovakia. Uh, so a great save by Wayne Hennessy in stoppage time. That save could be what puts uh, – uh, because that was just a massive game. Those two teams are – it's a competitive group. Those two teams are kind of at the same level. Uh, that's, that save might be what put Wales in the, um, in the Euros in 2020. Uh, fingers crossed. Yeah, it could be. Long way to go still, but uh, it, definitely a good start there. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of towards the end. I was like thinking – almost had my eyes, eyes closed, but my hands over my eyes thinking that like, they're going to score a goal to equalize. But, uh, yeah, a big 1-0 win there in Cardiff. Now, I want to talk to you about the latest uh, TV streaming news. But before I do, let's give a shout out to our sponsor that's offering uh, listeners $10 off uh, soccer tickets. And speaking of ICC and everything coming up in the next few months, uh, so far in the United States, we have uh, 22 friendlies scheduled this summer. Uh, Everything from Brazil and Colombia, uh, Venezuela and Ecuador, uh, the ICC. Chelsea are coming. They're going to be playing uh, New England Revolution in a friendly. Uh, and I believe Liverpool are coming too. They haven't announced their dates yet. But we have the schedule at World Soccer Talk uh, right at the top of the page. It has a schedule of summer friendlies. Uh, and there's a lot coming across the entire nation. So, so getting tickets can be far too complicated, though. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the, the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. Now, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value. SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. I've been using it this past week to just look at some of the International Champions Cup games coming up. Um, nothing for Miami, but uh, there's definitely a bunch uh, in the Northeast that I've been looking at. Um, and it's really easy to use, so you can just go to it and search through the soccer or International Champions Cup or whichever your favorite team is, and it'll pull up the results. So best of all, my listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code WSTPOD today. That's one word. That's promo code WSTPOD for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Now, Kartik, moving on to TV streaming news and um, some big news out of Fox uh, this past week. Yeah, so Fox has finally announced their uh, full lineup, studio lineup, and uh, commentary teams for, for the Women's World Cup this summer in France. Uh, they've got a, uh, a lot of studio talent that's going to rotate in and out. Uh, Heather O'Reilly, Alex Zilalis, Kelly Smith, Rob Stone, uh, and Kate Abdo, among others. There's going to be a, a few uh, uh, interesting ones. Aluko, any uh, Aluko is going to join the team. I've enjoyed her, her writing and commentary on the Guardian website now for, for some time. Uh, and so she's going to be part of that and uh, obviously former decorated England international. Um, some of you who are fans of the Premier League probably know her brother who, who played for a while in the Premier League also. Uh, in the commentary booth, there'll be uh, uh, five duos. We already knew about JP, Del Camera, and Ali Wagner. 
Packer. That's the lead team. Uh, they'll be calling the final. Uh, Derek Ray, Danielle Slayton, that's a that's an exciting team. I think that's going to be a really good team. Jen Hildreth returns again for, for another Women's World Cup. Uh, with uh, uh, with her partner, uh, Glenn Davis is going to be calling matches as well, and he he's obviously a veteran uh, uh, of this. And uh, Lisa Byington is going to uh, call matches. Cat uh, Whitehall will be her her uh, partner. You can check out all the commentary teams on World Soccer Talk and all the the, the list studio analysts. It's uh, it's really extensive, so they're going to have people coming in and out uh, throughout the course of the tournament, and and uh, it's pretty exciting. I think Fox. Um, this this might be their sweet spot. They did a really good job in 2015 with the Women's World Cup. Not such a great job after that with the tournaments they had. But maybe uh, women's football and uh, and the Women's World Cup is their sweet spot. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, last time around it was impressive uh, just because it was such a big difference from what we had in the past. And, and having that studio set... Uh, right there, uh, right next to the water in, in Canada was, was just a beautiful setting. Uh, and with even the planes landing in the background. Uh, and then this time, this summer, we're going to have uh, a studio based in uh, Paris uh, in a great location, I'm sure, with Eiffel Tower and Arc de Triomphe in, in the background, etc. So studio-wise, it, it makes sense. Um, I'm still not – to me, I'm still more of a fan who wants to – uh, who would rather a uh, broadcaster put more of an emphasis on the commentators and uh, making sure that they're in the stadium rather than having, what, 11 people in the studio um, and just different talking heads throughout the day, really not adding a lot of value at, at times. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But the quote that alarms me is, this is from uh, David Neal, who's the, the head of, um, or actually the vice president of production at Fox Sports and responsible for... Uh, not only the Women's World Cup, but also uh, the Men's World Cup uh, last summer, and we saw what a debacle that was. His quote is, we're following the same blueprint that we did last summer in Russia. And to me, that's worrying because there were a lot of mistakes happened last summer uh, for the World Cup, uh, whether it was um, Lothar Mateus uh, being announced as one of the talents and never showing up, uh, then having to hustle and try to bring in Martin O'Neill and, and, and others. And then, I mean, the studio has just been a mess, just lots of mistakes, lots of laughing and joking. And just um, then having the, the nightly show being unwatchable, it was so bad, uh, so on and so forth. So, so to me, if they're following the same blueprint, that's worrying. I, th- I think they'll be fine at the end of the day. Um, my other concern is is that um, the actual commentators. So out of the, the commentators that are going to be commentating the games, only two of them, only two of the groups, the two of the duos, are actually going to be in France. Everyone else, again, is going to be in Los Angeles calling the games off a monitor. So you've got, uh, I think, uh, JP De La Camera and uh, Ali Wagner and then uh, Derek Ray and Daniel Slayton are going to be in France calling the games from the stadiums. Everyone else is going to be in a sterile studio in, in Los Angeles. And that was something that we saw for the last Men's World Cup is, um, I don't know, to me, it's just really cheap. It's a very cheap uh, shortcut. Um, and then at the, mean, at the same time, they're spending all this money on the talent, uh, having the talent be in, in the studio, being in Paris, and to me, it's just uh, the balance isn't quite right. And, and that's something, too, with ESPN, I'm sure they would have a lot more people in the stadiums calling games. And yes, they'd have their studio, but they wouldn't have so many uh, talking heads rotating, revolving uh, every day. Uh, real quick note 
forgot to mention, uh, Christina Uncle will be part of the coverage, and she's a referee. Those of us in Florida, well, because she's uh, she's from here, uh, her and her husband Ted Uncle. But that's uh, that's another mention. Uh, obviously, uh, Dr. Joe's been on a lot of uh, Fox broadcasts. Uh, uh, through the years, but that's just another dimension. I, I think that um, uh, they, they're, they're going to try and bring because we're going to have VAR this summer, as was announced last week at the Women's World Cup. So um, it's important to have that kind of rules and referee and uh, on call at all times. For sure. All right. Well, this week Apple announced new changes to their Apple TV app that will allow you to access more of your favorite TV stations than before. So the Apple TV streaming service app will continue to be available on Apple TV, but will be added soon to the Roku and Amazon Fire Stick, which is big news there rather than just being on Apple TV, the actual device itself. In the Apple TV app, you'll be able to get channels a la carte, such as Epix, Showtime, HBO, Stars. CBS, uh, Smithsonian Channel, and others. And you can have them all going into one bill from Apple. So you have an app that pulls together kind of your favorite channels into one app and then pay pay from that one app rather than having different services. Similar to how Amazon Prime Video uh, does it now with all the channels they offer too because they offer HBO and Showtime, etc., so all of the programming will be available in the TV app without being kicked out to log into another app or service, which is definitely a, a plus there. You'll also be able to stream, um, actually watch streaming services all inside the app uh, a la carte, including ESPN+, Hulu, Amazon Prime Video, ABC, and NBC. Now, NBC, I don't believe it's the um, the actual sports side of things. I think it's more just your entertainment and probably news uh, side of things. Last but not least, you can watch programming from Fubo TV, PlayStation View, Spectrum, and DirecTV Now. Again, all inside the app and all, and all a la carte. What's not included in, in the app is uh, Netflix, uh, nor uh, NBCSN. Um, not it's not available on Android or Windows or on any browser, but in the fall the Apple TV app will, will be available on the Mac. Um, most importantly, we don't know what the price is yet, and uh, so it won't be until probably May until the app is launched or is is actually upgraded and and launched as as the new version of the app, and a lot of the I think by the fall we'll have an idea of of. Uh, everything working together as far as the availability across different platforms, uh, such as Heroku and Amazon Fire Stick and probably more channels available. So to me, the concept of bundling all these services together into one app is fantastic. Um, But we'll have to see what what it looks like in terms of the actual implementation and execution of this, because knowing Apple, the price is going to be probably pretty high. Um, and and how much someone is willing to pay for the benefit of having all of his or her favorite channels and streaming services uh, available in one app, uh, we'll have to wait and see because, I mean, there's definitely a lot of uh, benefits to that, saving time, saving hassles, but, but how much will, would that cost? So while Apple's TV and app announcement has been pretty exciting, how will it impact soccer viewing? We'll have to wait and see. We don't know yet, um, so we'll have some of those uh, programs and some of those channels available through the app. But whether you'll be able to access everything, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Probably not. There's probably going to be quite a few that you're not going to be able to access within there. But ESPN Plus is definitely a benefit of having that in the app. So it's one of those wait and sees. 
uh, more information to come soon. And uh, probably by May, we'll know much, much better how beneficial this may or may not be and what the cost is, because the cost is definitely a big factor there. Now, Kartik, uh, speaking of streaming, um, some big changes uh, happening in the industry. Yeah, at the zone, uh, some chatter about this this week. Uh, they have there are no more free trials uh, for U.S. Uh, viewers, and uh, they've increased their pricing to nineteen ninety nine per month. Now the annual plan stays at ninety nine ninety nine. So basically, if you go month to month, you don't get a free trial, and you'll be paying I can't even do the math two hundred forty dollars a year. I think it is. So. What they're trying to do is incentivize people to sign up for the annual plan. It's uh, the same price. It's uh, a major cost savings, but no more free trials. And uh, for people who want to check it out, because I know there have been people who wanted to check out the the zone because they had Bellator or they've had the Asian company that had some uh, one or two events you're interested in. You're you're on the hook now, basically. Yeah, so no no free trials. The free trials are gone completely. Um, My first take on this was that that, that they've given up on soccer, that they're saying, OK, we're going to go try and push people to sign up for the annual plan of $99, uh, well, $100, basically, uh, a year, thinking that that's going to gravitate more to boxing fans and MMA and those types of fans who who are paying that type of, that type of money for some of these pay-per-view events and saying, OK, well, I can access all of this boxing for an entire year for $100. Um, that's, a, that's a bargain. But then one of the sources I talked to also kind of uh, gave me this angle was saying that uh, if you're a soccer fan and you're wanting to subscribe to uh, whatever league it may be, say it's the Bundesliga hypothetically, or maybe it's La Liga, would you be willing to pay for an annual plan for $100 a year to have access to all of the games? Then it becomes more of a bargain. Then it becomes like, a, hey, actually, that's a, that's, a, that's a good deal to have access to everything for an entire year. And it's kind of turning the subscription model around a little bit rather than month to month thinking along those lines paying for an entire year and adding more value there so of course uh, right now DAZN just has the J-League and uh, I believe the uh, Asian Cup and AFC Champions League but not into the later stages but if they did add some soccer rights to that uh, that could make it interesting at the same time there's no free trial so that is definitely going to uh, turn people off where they haven't tried it. They, they're not familiar with it. That's going to hurt them there. So maybe they'd bring that back uh, for a short period of time if they do acquire uh, any new soccer rights. So again, another another wait and see. It's an interesting one to watch. Uh, the DAZN app itself is one of the best ones out there. Actually, to me, it's my favorite one out there. Um, but they have to acquire the rights in order for us to actually pay attention to it unless we're boxing fans also so speaking of uh, television and streaming and everything going on um, in the world of soccer uh, major league soccer has has seen a 27 percent decrease in viewership to start 2019 going from 300 roughly 360,000 average viewers uh, first uh, during the first three weeks of the new season in 2018 to just 263,000 viewers in 2019. So again, it's a 27% decrease uh, in the first three weeks. Uh, FS1 is averaging 182,000 viewers after five games. That's certainly hurting them. Um, at the same time, the Univision numbers haven't been that strong either. 
Uh, ESPN's numbers have been pretty pretty decent in the 300,000s uh, or more for some of many of their games, but uh, not a good start for Major League Soccer. And, and in, in a year or two where we know that the MLS Cup Final is not going to be an on, on over-the-air Fox, uh, it's more than likely going to be on ESPN, which is um, which is going to be a much smaller viewing audience. Kartik, uh, what's what's next in the news items? Yeah, La well, Liga has launched their own OTT service, uh, which has got the intention of boosting the visibility of all Spanish sports, uh, not just uh, not just La Liga specifically. Uh, it's going to be called La Liga Sports TV, at least that's uh, that's the initial name, and um, the the idea is to. Uh, to promote each of the Spanish sporting federations. So not just uh, La Liga, but other football uh, under the Spanish federation and then other sports, including Olympic sports. So, uh, and, and, and basketball, et cetera. So it's a, it's a real exciting OTT project. Um, and it's going to offer, it's being headed by La Liga, but it's going to offer the other Spanish sports an opportunity to get their, uh, content out to a wider audience. So uh, uh, interesting kind of proactive thinking from La Liga. Yeah, in many ways, to me, this is kind of almost like a trial run because um, so UEFA has uh, mentioned that they're probably going to launch UEFA TV, which would be a, an over-the-top streaming service uh, showing you know, many of the UEFA games, but also uh, other leagues too and other rights. Uh, FIFA TV has been talk about possibly having a, a subscription service like that too. So to me, this is actually kind of a, a good trial run for La Liga to say, okay, let's, let's launch our own over-the-top service. Uh, the Premier League doesn't have anything like this, but let's let's have a, a head start on them. Let's um, we we don't we can't offer a lot of rights because the rights that we do have have already been bought by you know, being sports and other other uh, broadcasters around the world. But let's let's add some other Spanish sports there, and let's let's see how this works. Uh, let's learn from this. Let's let's make sure that the backbone of of this uh, service, the quality is good. I mean, there's there's no issues with it crashing, and then let's build on this. Let's grow and grow this to a point where, if at some point in time we're ready to to launch a direct to consumer product, uh, so if you want to subscribe to La Liga TV, rather than having to go through BN or through some other service to get it through the through a middleman essentially. Uh, they can go directly to the consumer and the consumer can subscribe to that service for, say, I don't know, $100 a year and, and they're happy and La Liga's making more money and the clubs are making more money as a result of that. Last but not least, Kartik, some good news here for uh, subscribers to Dish Network and Dish Latino. And that is is that all of the Univision channels are back on the satellite provider. So that's everything from Univision, Univision Deportes, Galavision, uh, Unamas, etc., 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 that's the good news. The, the concerning news is that even though that Dish owns Sling TV, uh, Sling TV is not part of the new agreement. So right now, none of the uh, Univision networks will be available or re- returning to Sling at this time. So if you want to get the Univision channels through streaming providers, usually your best bet is Fubo TV or DirecTV Now. All right, Kartik, moving on to TV ratings. Uh, just two numbers to share this week, and that's uh, from the U.S. men's national team games against Chile and Ecuador. Uh, both games on ESPN2, both of them in prime time from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we had 552,000 people watch the uh, USA-Chile game, and then 419,000 that watched the USA-Ecuador game. Listener mailbag, uh, 
The first up is uh, Vincent Orozco. He says, Gaffer, you were right. A couple of shows ago, you and Kartik had a disagreement about what soccer fans want to see in the United States. In four meaningless friendlies, our games, I guess, in four meaningless games in the state of California, Mexico had over 100,000 soccer fans attend for the two Mexico friendlies and the two Liga Mex friendlies. And the games also had higher ratings. I think these help prove your point. Love the show. Uh, JP says, uh, not to be an MLS apologist, but there were mitigating factors of their low ratings on Sunday or last Sunday. Uh, There were numerous conference tournament championship games for college basketball throughout the the afternoon. And then the the selection show for the NCAA tournament in the early evening. This is a huge draw for even the casual sports fans in America. Might also impact USA Ecuador friendly. Uh, as it's the first real day of the tournament. In addition, our time change has caused some matches in Europe to conflict, uh, even with a 5 p.m. MLS start time. Milan against Inter from 3.30 to 5.30 instead of 2.30 to 4.30, and Real Betis against uh, Barcelona from 3.45 to 5.45 instead of 2.45 to 3.45. People predisposed to watching soccer may have been dissuaded from tuning into MLS, knowing both of these other matches were starting soon after 3 p.m. and or they forgot about the 5 p.m. match after finishing one of them. Quite frankly, if they switched over to the Cincinnati against LAFC match after either Milan or Inter, one of the best matches of the year, he said, uh, or Betis against Barcelona with Messi at his best, best, it was likely unwatchable in comparison. Now, Now, Kartik, while I agree with JP that there's definitely factors... Um, and, and JP is definitely not, not a, an MLS apologist by any means. I mean, he's a, he's a smart guy. Um, what I would say is that there's always excuses, and, and this is not this is not directed at JP, but just just normally, there's always things that happen, and, and you, there's a long laundry list of things that MLS fans will say. They'll say, "Okay, well, it's a, you mean there was something else happening at the same time, or it was uh, there was no promotion of of the game on television, or." Uh, I didn't know it was on Fox or FS1. Or this is this long laundry list of things. Uh, in this case, uh, yeah, there's, there's some some good points there. Yeah, the U.S. Ecuador game I want to focus on because you read that 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 number and I thought that number was actually quite high considering it was uh, uh, it was head to head with four NCAA tournament games on four different channels. Uh, TNT, TBS, CBS, and True TV at the very same time. So over 400,000 uh, viewers for that match uh, against Ecuador and Orlando. I think that that's probably then the the basement, right? That's the base uh, number that you'll have for U.S. men's national team friendlies because I, I, well, I was on, I, I on, on ESPN. On ESPN. Okay, that's right. Okay, if it had been on FS1, it would have been a much lower number. That's a good point. Um, so I, I, I guess that that's a higher base than I thought. Uh, I thought the base had completely eroded because of recent performances and, and kind of the malaise on, around the program where you might have 100,000 viewers for that game. I was genuinely fearful that the rating would be uh, – uh, terrible. And you know what, Chris? You're probably right. If it had been on FS1, we would have been talking about 150,000 viewers instead of 400,000. Yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit more. I'd say like maybe 200 and something. But but still, I mean, that's the thing about um, whether it's MLS games or U.S. men's national team games on Fox. That base has eroded. You mean for whatever reason? Well, we probably know the reasons in terms of just the uh, the poor coverage. But for what? I mean, there's a lot of people that will tune into a game for U.S. men's national team on ESPN, but will not tune into that game on Fox. So are they going to Univision? Are they going to other channels to watch the game? Um, 
or even Major League Soccer games. If the games are on television, but they're on Fox, maybe they don't care as much about it. Maybe they, they care more about ESPN's MLS games if they're you know, a neutral fan and they want to have a better, you know, better commentators. Well, not so much the commentators. It's more the, the studio analysis is really kind of the, the weakest point of Fox's uh, production. Nash Rambler uh, says, My understanding of your reporting on the ESPN Plus rights for Copa America is that the deal is only for the 2019 tournament. This leads into a question I have asked you previously, and that is the possibility of future combined CONMEBOL and CONCACAF Copa America tournaments. The Copa America is to occur again in 2020 to set up a new cycle for the tournament every four years in the even-numbered years between World Cup tournaments. I'm wondering if no U.S. TV rights have been determined yet because of the possibility that the U.S. and Mexico teams will be in the 2020 tournament, uh, which is said to be hosted by Colombia. This year's tournament will have 12 teams with the 10 South American teams and two invited teams, which are Qatar and Japan. The plan for next year is 16 teams, which will require six teams from outside of South America to make up the numbers. My hope is that there will be an agreement to send the top six CONCACAF teams to the Copa America next year. What are you hearing about negotiations between CONMEBOL and CONCACAF regarding the 2020 Copa America? Good questions here from Nash Rambler. Kartik, what are your initial thoughts on this? Or what are you, what are you hearing? Um, I haven't heard anything. Uh, the, it, there's a lot of speculation as to whether the U.S. and Mexico will be in that tournament or if uh, the relationship with Con the ball, especially after the U.S. tried to create their own tournament uh, it, it, to uh, accommodate those teams and, and use money as an incentive because the U.S. Soccer Federation seems to think money is the is actually the is, is the performance uh, metric that you go by in this sport. Um, if they'll be invited now, if they are. Then you're in a position where I think the TV rights become extremely valuable, and that's probably why uh, it, it's it's a one tournament deal. But uh, it's worth noting also, Chris, we we historically con the ball have done those these rights in the U.S. late, and they've been for one tournament. And each cycle has been a different uh, a different media partner, and then that media partner has gone out and tried to sell the rights. And and obviously, there's been. Um, since the FIFA scandal, a lot of scrutiny of that. So now uh, there's more direct contact with right, uh, potential rights holders in the U.S. But uh, it's always been a late process and a little bit of a, a less than transparent process, we'll say. So the uh, if anyone listened to the USA-Chile uh, game on ESPN2 on Tuesday with Taylor Twelman co-commentating, he must have mentioned this probably like three or four times, talking about, um, you mean, these games are all well and good, but the, 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 this, this is kind of uh, conquer, well, the Ecuador game is CONCACAF level teams. But what we need to have is these teams playing against more world class uh, teams, such as maybe possible possibility of playing 2020 um, in the Copa America. And he mentioned this about two or three times at least. So it was something obviously he he knows uh, he knows some insight there, or he's trying to push. U.S. to to actually go ahead and have their team in this tournament. I, I going back going back to Nash Rambler's question. Uh, I would be surprised if the U.S. is not in the Copa America in 2020. Uh, but I don't see six teams from Concacaf being in there. I, I see kind of your 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 Japan's and probably Qatar. I mean these these uh, Japan especially have been uh, long supporters of Copa America. Um, but maybe J- Japan, Qatar, Mexico, U.S., and then and then two other teams. 
But um, yeah, for Qatar is going to want to be in it, right? They're in it yeah. this year. Uh, they won the Asian Cup. They remember they don't qualify, so they need to get competitive matches. Uh, and teams that this has always been a question about uh, host countries not having to qualify and how competitive and sharp they are. No Confederations Cup for Qatar in 2021 now. So I think they probably. I'm almost certain they'll be one of those six uh, additional countries. And then you mentioned Japan. That if you have the U.S. Mexico, you have two more. Yeah, yeah, and those two others could be maybe. The, I I don't see Concacaf and Commonwealth working together on this. I I see more so um, the leading Concacaf nations such as U.S. and Mexico, uh, maybe Costa Rica, just saying like, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll go it alone. We'll we'll have these discussions ourselves. Concacaf, we don't have to go through you. We'll just go directly and and, and do a deal. Um, but yeah, I don't see. Again, there's a lot of issues with CONCACAF and Commonwealth working very closely together because, you mean, FIFA at some point could say, you know what, let's just make this one giant uh, federation rather than having two separates. Um, and then CONCACAF loses a huge amount of power, especially voting power, uh, within FIFA. Next up is uh, Juan uh, Bernal, and he says, uh, what do you think the future of streaming services like ESPN Plus and BR Live is at bars? I have a friend who is a United fan who always complains about being unable to watch FA Cup and League, ga- League Cup games. How can a bar set up uh, to stream a game on multiple TVs? What if one TV stream is a few seconds behind another? Thanks for your great content. So there's a few things here. So, for example, I know that with uh, NBC Sports Gold, uh, we have the you know, package that's available to consumers that we can subscribe to. But they also have a version that's uh, more expensive, that's NBC Sports Gold for bars and pubs and restaurants. Um, that That's a separate service that they have to subscribe to. With ESPN Plus, I'm not sure, to be honest with you, whether or not they have something like that for bars and restaurants. Um, I usually don't pay as much attention to that side of things. But I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Or if, it, if they don't have it right now, it's probably in the works. Um, then as far as um, having the bar set up a stream on multiple TVs, uh, I've, I've, I've seen it done before. I mean, I've gone to um, different pubs and bars and they're streaming games to the television sets and they're all yeah, synced up at the same time. Um, that's a good question. Any, any insight on this, Kartik? Are, are you uh, a regular to uh, the local pubs and the Lion and Eagle and have, been, uh, have seen any, any tips or tricks on this one? I am not a, a, a regular and, and, and do not know. This is a great question. I, I, I'm actually kind of racking my head trying to figure this out. I'll ask around, though, for sure, one. Yeah, awesome. Uh, next up is uh, Ben Salihin, and he says, uh, in your latest podcast or recent podcast, you mentioned that you've been using Fanatis for a while now. I know they have a few channels to offer at this time, but is there a traditional TV guide that's included with the service? So Fanatis has uh, now they have Bein Sports, Bein Sports en Español, Bein Sports Connect, all those channels, Gold TV en Español. They have all the Superliga games from Argentina. Uh, they have TYC Sports, and I think they have another one or two other channels. So um, for somebody who's interested in Latin American soccer, you have access to all all of the Copa America, Copa Libertadores, sorry, Copa Sudamericana. Uh, La Liga, and a lot of the games from uh, Ecuador, Uruguay, etc. Now, do they have a traditional TV guide that's included with the service? No, they don't. Uh, I think I think part of that is just that um, they don't have 
say, I don't know, 10 or 20 channels, they have probably about, um, well, actually, with being Sports Connect, they probably have it closer now because being Sports Connect has about, I mean, six to eight channels plus whatever they have. So they, ha- they probably have about 12 to 13 channels available uh, in total. Um, but what they do have, if you do log on and they have a free trial, I think it's for 14 days. Um, they have, they'll have little graphics that show upcoming games or, or games that are available uh, on demand. So it's not a traditional TV guide, um, but it is pretty intuitive and, and they're always improving. And uh, they have a good newsletter, email subscriber to the newsletter um, with updates about the, the games coming up soon. Last but not least, Kartik, and this is from uh, this is something we haven't heard before, uh, but it's good feedback. And this is from Scott Turbyville. He says, um, "I just listened to your latest episode while walking my chicken houses. I enjoy the show each week. Although you two can, 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 can I'm sorry, I have to repeat that again. Uh, I enjoy the show each week. Although you two can get quite negative." Which is true. Which is true. We, we, we like to look at focus on the positive too, but uh, Scott goes on to say, to say that uh, that aside, as you were talking about ESPN Plus and streaming, there are a lot of us in rural areas that can't do streaming as satellite internet is our only option and data caps and speed throttling made it, make it prohibitive. Price is not the only factor, although I wouldn't pay twenty nine ninety nine a month for uh, ESPN Plus. Have a good day from your listeners in the country. So, so thanks, Scott, for listening and uh, and listening to us as you're walking around the, the chicken houses. That's cool. Um, th- th- yeah, this is really it's not an issue with ESPN Plus. ESPN Plus is a really good service. You mean four ninety nine a month has a ton of content, um, but they can they cannot control the infrastructure in terms of the internet, in terms of whether you're on you know, high-speed internet or satellite internet. Hopefully, as time goes on um, with more competition, that satellite internet, the prices go down, so you, you don't have to pay as much, and maybe they remove some of the data caps. Um, but it's a challenge. There's a lot of people. It's, it's a huge country. Uh, there's a lot of people that live in the country that don't have access to high-speed internet through traditional means, through a cable or, or a, you know, a DSL operator. Uh, and here you go, a good example of that um, with uh, satellite internet out in, out in the, uh, the rural uh, areas. Now, listeners, you can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. So thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, and worldsoccertalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review. And Kartik, heading into another weekend, this one with uh, the NBC crew heading to Boston, to Fenway Park, to broadcast uh, live um, for the Premier League mornings as well as what get yeah, Liverpool against Spurs, uh, some other big matches this weekend. What should they do? Enjoy your football. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.